0: When, uh, when I was in fifth grade, uh, I grew up in Birmingham, Alabama. I remember in fifth grade, we, we boarded an Amtrak train. You guys, Amtrak? You remember Amtrak? Um, went through Atlanta and then up the eastern seaboard to Washington, D.C. Any of you went, go to Washington, D.C. when you were in, in elementary or middle school? Some of you? Yeah. Um, that, was, that, that was like the big trip for us to go to D.C. and... And um, it was eye opening for, for a number of reasons. Just the, the monuments there, I had never seen anything like it. Uh, the history that was there, the things that we learned. Uh, we went to the US Mint, and I bought this little package of money that had been cut up. And I thought, why in the world would they cut up money? And could I put it back together and use it? Like, I learned all of these different things. I was in fifth grade, and um, I, my parents didn't know this, but they didn't have enough counselors on the trip. And um, I don't know if they thought I was responsible, but my room had no counselors in it, fifth grade in Washington, D.C. And I learned that you could jump off a bed and land on a friend, and the counselors next door wouldn't hear you. So we did WWF in the room all night long. It was awesome. And I learned a lot on that trip, some good, some bad, Uh, but it, it really didn't change my life very much. You know what I mean? Like, it was educational, but only to a certain level. In, uh, years later, in, in, in 1998, Robin and I were invited uh, to, to go to, to Israel. And I remember that trip in a very different way, because that journey was life-changing. Not, not just in my mind, but in my, in my heart and in my soul and in my spirit. Something changed about me walking where Jesus walked, standing beside the Sea of Galilee, standing on the hillside where where quite possibly Jesus could have spoken to the multitudes. It It was an educational trip, but it was an educational trip that did something in my heart and in my spirit to change the way I walked in life. It was an incredible journey. Well, um, this morning, we're going to begin a journey together as a community. I wish I could tell you that I was going to take you all to Israel. That would be awesome and spend some time there. Uh, but we're going to begin a journey. Uh, it, it's a journey that many of you have heard about uh, through the years. Many of you have probably experienced it in different ways. It's a, it's a journey called Lent. And, and Lent is an interesting, uh, it's, it's an interesting practice very different in, in different kinds of churches and in different denominations. Some of you, uh, when I say the word Lent, it, 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 uh, something in you kind of pushes back, like, no, 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 we can't do that. Like, there's something about that that it is not comfortable, that I have some bad memories of, of, of Lent. And um, But I want to invite us to, to explore this, this journey together in a little bit of a different way. Um, I, I'm going to share a little bit about the history of Lent today. Um, fairly quickly, and then then talk about this journey that we're going to take hopefully together as a community. Only you can decide if we're going to take it together, but hopefully this journey that we're going to take together over the next few weeks. Uh, But the purpose of this journey isn't educational in in that we just learn some things up here. The purpose of Lent is to move us to become different kinds of people and to move us towards experiencing Easter in, in maybe a new way, a fresh way this year. So it's going to be a fun journey. Are you in on it? Okay, so I got about 75% of you in on the journey so far. Um, Lent began um, early after, after Jesus ascended into heaven. It actually, the first couple hundred years, first couple centuries, uh, Lent, it wasn't called Lent back then, but uh, it was only two days. It, it, was, it was a fast that began on Friday and led up to Easter, now, some of you are like, "I'm in on that's that's a shorter journey. I can maybe do that one," uh, but it's only two days. And then, after you know, two three hundred years, it began to change a little bit. They extended it uh, to be a week, and they said, "Let's let's extend this journey. There's something powerful about it. Let's let's extend it, be a little bit longer." And then, in the modern world, you know, we have to extend everything even longer because longer is better, right? So, forty days is this this journey, forty days uh, experience. Now. Uh, this 40-day journey looks different in different places. Like I said, different traditions do this differently. Um, many of you probably grew up with this, this this 40-day journey of giving something up. How many of you have ever given something up for Lent? Yeah. So you so you've you've kind of been a part of this journey before in the past. I've I've given things up uh, in this this 40 days. Uh, something I learned in in researching Lent and many of you know this, you, you could have told me this, I wish you would have told me this years ago, that, that the 40 days does not include Sundays. That Sundays, you can actually partake in whatever it is that you've given up. Isn't that a beautiful thing? <laughs> See, that, that's, like, that's, part of the, that's part of the tradition, is that the 40 days, if you actually count back 40 days, it begins you know on Ash Wednesday, but if you count back from Easter, it's more than 40 days, because on the Sundays, we can actually partake the things that we give up. So if you give up Starbucks for 40 days, Sunday, bring your Starbucks with you to church, and you will celebrate in a new, fresh way every Sunday, right? So there's different ways to explore it. There's different ways to, to participate. But for us, this is going to be a, a, about a 40-day journey. Use Sundays, don't use Sundays. Uh, It's a season of of, of really preparation for Easter, to to experience the the good news of Jesus in a new way. Um, I I wrote, it's a a season of humility and focus, and I want to talk about these two different things, and then we'll jump into the book of Luke. So humility, uh, maybe two practices to consider as we take this journey together. Uh, The first would be Uh, this idea of turning away from a specific temptation in your life. So if there's something in your life that uh, always seems to grab you and pull you in a certain direction, and you know it's not healthy for you. Now, this isn't about like candy and sweets and things like this. This is like a a, a temptation, something that you know captures you. Uh, Maybe for this 40 days, from now until Easter, you would say, I will turn away from that, that specific temptation. And maybe you want to even write it down and then cover it up so nobody else around you sees it. But Maybe you want to write it down and name that thing, whatever it is. Uh, for others, maybe you, you want to deny yourself something that you enjoy. And maybe this is Starbucks, right? Maybe this is Facebook. Well, most of us don't enjoy Facebook anymore uh, that years ago. But uh, may, maybe it's something like sweets or just coffee in general or caffeine, um, something that you enjoy that maybe you want to give up for these, these 40 days to help you focus on something different. It's this experience of humility. Uh, I was reading a book on, on the practice of Lent. Uh, a professor was kind of writing some experience, and he said that he had practiced Lent for years and years, and he was out running with, with a running partner, and, and Lent was about to, to come. And um, he asked his buddy as they're running, he says, so are you giving up for anything for Lent this year? And his buddy said, yeah. And he said, well, what are you giving up for Lent? And he said, I'm giving up sex again. And he kind of looked at him, and his buddy looked at him. And he said, what are you giving up? And he said, I'm giving up coffee. <laughs> he was like, well, this is a little uneven in the mix. But for him, that was a temptation that drove him away from God. And he said, I'm going to give this up in order to focus on something different. So what would be our focus? If we give up something, if you choose something, if I choose something to give up, to deny ourselves, whether it's something we enjoy or a specific temptation, what will we then focus on? So here's the focus it's the book of Luke. We're choosing to read the gospel of Luke together this year. You got a handy-dandy little reading uh, bookmark, uh, an outline, a reading guide, and uh, it begins tomorrow. So you're not even behind yet. You're, you're here, and uh, it begins tomorrow. It didn't begin on Ash Wednesday. It begins tomorrow, and, and for the next few weeks, it's just helping us read through uh, the book of Luke. And we're doing this with our our collective churches. So Arcadia City Church is a part of this. Desert City Church. We have a new uh, partner in churches up in, in uh, Prescott, which is awesome. So they're doing this as well. So we're we're kind of spreading the love, and we're we're doing this all together, uh, walking through the Book of Luke. So let's talk about the Book of Luke for just a moment, and uh, why we're choosing the Book of Luke. The Gospel of Luke is written uh, by a man named Luke. Yeah, creative they were back in those days. Uh, Luke wrote this, and he was a doctor. And the interesting thing about Luke is he was not an insider to the story of Jesus. He was actually an outsider to the story. And one of the things I love about, about Luke's writing is he has this particular focus on those who feel like they don't belong in the kingdom of God. Now, one of the reasons we chose the book of Luke is for this very reason. Have you ever felt like you don't belong in the kingdom of God, like you're a misfit? Look at your neighbor and tell them they're a misfit, and now they'll feel that way if they didn't before. So I love that Luke focuses on this idea that anyone, anyone can, can be a part of God's kingdom. Like God does not close the door to anyone. Everyone is welcome into God's kingdom. There, there are no walls put up and, and signs posted that say, say that you cannot come in, and, and Luke, he, he pays a particular focus. He, he spends time telling everyone that you are invited into God's kingdom, and then he lays out this beautiful picture of God's plan for new life or a new way to live is found in, 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 in Christ. Like, Christ gives us a perfect example of how we can live in this new kingdom, in this this. This joy and this peace and this hope and this love that changes everything. Christ becomes the perfect picture of what it means to live as a part of God's kingdom. Uh, Two parts to the Gospel of Luke. The first part, now, some of you who love history and love just the learning, you're going to like this first part. And then I'm going to get into a passage of Scripture, I promise. I know for some of you this is the tough part, and you're like, can you just get to the point? Um, I'll get to the point in just a minute. Um, So here's Here's how the the Gospel of Luke is laid out. Chapters 1 through 9 talk about the identity of Jesus. Luke wants us to to solidify who Jesus is in our minds and in our hearts. But he doesn't just want to talk about the identity of Jesus, like this is who he is. He then wants to talk about the mission of Jesus. So the second half of Luke, from chapter 9 all the way through 24, is about the mission of Jesus and what Jesus is here to accomplish. And there's this verse in the middle, um, chapter 9... I think it's verse 51 where it says, When the time was right, Jesus turned his face towards Jerusalem. So it it talks about who Jesus is, but then when the time was right, he turned his face towards Jerusalem, and he began the journey. He began the journey that would change everything. He began to pursue his, his mission and the fulfillment of his mission in this world. So the identity and the mission of Jesus. Now, Luke chapter 9, kind of this turning point. Here's where I want to spend a little bit of time today. And I want to dig into a a couple of thoughts, Uh, one question in particular that I think is at the center. In fact, I think this is the most important question in the entire Bible. Let me say that again, just to wake those of you up who kind of drifted off. I think this is the most important question in the entire Bible. So we talked about the most important commandments the last few weeks, right? Now the most important question. So Jesus is with his disciples, and at the end of this journey of Luke, uh, talking about the identity of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? Like, what do you hear out there about who I am? And so they go through this list. Some say Moses, and you're a prophet, and all these different things. And then Jesus asks the most important question of his disciples, and I think this is the most important question for you and me. answer. And here it is. Jesus looks at his disciples and he say, but who do you say that I am? So this is where it gets personal. Who who do you say Jesus is? Who do I say he is? Because the world has plenty of ideas and thoughts about who Jesus is, a great prophet, a great teacher, uh, a gift from God. Some would say he's the savior of the world, but but who do you say that he is? You see, this is why I think this is the most important question because it gets into what we really believe about Jesus, the central figure in all of Scripture. So who do you say that he is? Now, right after this, Jesus begins this teaching with his disciples and those who have gathered around. If any of you wants to be my follower, he says, you must turn from your selfish ways Take up your cross every day and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will actually save your life. I mean, a very curious thought, isn't it? Kind of counterintuitive. If, if you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll actually save it. And then Luke uh, records this, this other question from Jesus that I find to be fairly powerful as well. And what do you benefit if you gain the entire world, if you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul in the process? What do you benefit if you gain everything there is to gain out in the world, but you lose who you really are in the process? Now, there have been numerous stories about people who have given their whole lives to, to making money and to making a name of themselves, and at the end of their lives or or near the end, they get to a place where they say, I've got all of this, but, but I miss, I'm still missing something. And many of us would say, well, I'd like to have all of that as well. That would be nice. And, and have myself at the same time. Can we have both? And Jesus simply says, what, what benefit is it if you, if you have everything? And fill in the blank with what that everything is. Whatever it is for you. If, if you have all of that, what benefit if you gain all of that, but, but you lose your soul in the process? So the journey for us, I think, is kind of found in in this little passage of Scripture. And this is where we'll start the journey. If any of you wants to be my follower, Jesus says. If any of you wants to be my follower. Uh, Here it is again. This is an open invitation to anyone. There's no no one who's left out on this. If any of you wants to be my follower. Now, real quick, uh, just so that that we're kind of all on the same page, All of us, every person in this room and every person who has ever lived, all of us follow someone or something. All of us. All of us have faith in someone else or something. Everyone. No one is exempt from faith. And no one is exempt from following. All of us do this. Now, some of us choose to follow ourselves. We choose that we want to be at the center. We want to place our faith solely in who we are and our own abilities. Some of us choose someone else. Some of us choose money. Some of us choose fame. Some of us choose looks. But all of us follow someone or something, and all of us place our faith in someone or something. No one's exempt from this. Uh, Even if you would say, I have a great friend who, who would say, you know, I spent most of the beginning of my life placing my faith entirely in reason. Like if I could figure it out, if science could prove it, then that's what I would follow. I wanted to make this life. But he said, I I, I got to the end of that, and I I realized that I was placing my faith still in something that had no grounding whatsoever. There was always a missing piece to it. So Jesus says, if if any of you wants to to be his follower, to to walk after him, anyone is welcome to this. And here's what it takes. Here's what it takes to be a, a follower of Jesus. He says that he must turn from his selfish ways or her selfish ways and take up your cross daily. I think these two things fit right together, to turn from our selfish ways and to take up our cross. Now, interesting, uh, the the visual images that he gives us here. Um, All of us are born selfish. Did you know that about yourself, that you're born selfish? Selfish? Some of you are looking at me like, I didn't know that I was born selfish. You were born selfish, and I was born selfish. We are at the center of our our world when we're born. And we kind of are raised in this this idea that we're at the center. Uh, One of the things we do with our kids sometimes, unfortunately, is we teach them that they're at the center of the world, right? Which is probably not the healthiest of things. All of us are born selfish, and at times we're taught that we should be selfish, And Jesus says that if we truly want to follow Him, if if we're going to say that we're followers of His, that we actually have to turn away from that kind of life, that we have to in some way, what we're born with, we have to in some way repent or turn away from that way of living, that that I'm not going to any longer be at the center. And when He says, take up your cross daily, the cross was a powerful symbol in the Roman world because the cross represented... Death to anyone who would fight against the Romans or who would, who would set the Romans aside. And, and so the cross was this powerful image, and I think Jesus brought it up not as a way of saying you must, you must literally die, but what he said is, what, what I believe he was saying is that you must, you must die to yourself. You must, you must die to your self centered ways that you're born with, the humanness of your, of your life. You must set aside these selfish desires. Your, 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 your tendency to try to control everything, you've got to get beyond that. You've got to die to that. And this is a daily thing. It's not a once-and-done proposition. You know, I, I wish it was a once-and-done. Um, I kind of laugh every now and then when, when people say, I, t- I told my wife I loved her the day I married her, and if anything changes, I'll let her know. And I'm like, <laughs> that in marriage, that just doesn't work for most people. Maybe for some But, like, marriage is a daily exercise. Would you agree with this, those of you who are married? Yeah. Yes. yes. (laughs) You didn't see it, but she, like, hit him. Um, uh, Marriage is a daily exercise, and following Jesus is a daily choice that you have to make and I have to make. And here's where the 40 days become so powerful because it helps Put us on that path to choose every single day who we're going to follow. And then he kind of closes with this last, uh, this last piece. So if anybody would be my disciples, he must turn from his selfish ways, take up his cross, and follow me. And follow me, literally, the, the translation, if you take the Greek or the Aramaic, which he was speaking, and, and, and you literally translate it, it means keep on following me. That this is active, continual participation in the ways of Jesus. It's active, continual participation. It's not just sometime. It's this active, continual participation in the ways of Jesus, which we will be reading about as we read through the book of Luke. And there's no separation between the mind and the life. It, it's not okay to say, I believe this to be true, but I'm not going to do anything about it. Jesus invites us into this following that includes and engages both the mind and the life. So, are you in on the journey? You don't have to answer. But would you take this 40-day journey with us to explore both the identity of Jesus and the mission of Jesus and explore the, the, the possibility that we would become followers or disciples of him in the process. If anyone wants to follow him, they must choose to turn from their selfish ways, to take up their cross every single day, and continually participate in the ways of Jesus. Uh, We we thought that the best way to begin this journey together would be communion. Communion to be reminded of the sacrificial love of God that was seen in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to do this as a community, um, and, and there's a, there's a statement that, that maybe would inform us during this season uh, that, that John the Baptist made. John the Baptist was, was one who came before Jesus, and he, he believed his entire purpose in life was to, to make the way for Jesus, to, to point when Jesus was coming and, and who he was going to be. And John makes this statement. Um, he, he says, and it's, it's recorded in, in another book, not in Luke, but he, he says, Jesus must increase and I must decrease. He must increase and I must decrease. And that's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. to continually, daily, say, Jesus, I want you to increase because your love is better than my love. Your ways are better than my ways. Your peace is better than my peace. Your hope is better than my hope. So you must increase and I will decrease. I'll choose to decrease. I'll, I'll choose to humble myself. Communion is the perfect picture of this. It's a picture of a God who loved you so much, who loved me so much that he was willing to give up his life. So that we might know and experience this rightness with our Heavenly Father. Something that we don't have to earn, that we simply can receive. It's a beautiful picture of what it means to, to truly love others, to give up our lives for them. So the ushers are gonna come. Uh, if you are a follower of Jesus, you don't need to be a member of this church. We welcome you to the table with us, take communion with us. This piece of bread that represents His body, the cup that represents His blood. And I would ask you just to hold on to the elements, and we'll take communion together as a community in just a couple of moments when everyone has been served.